Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. In today's episode, I'm joined by Ali Nasser, CEO and founder of AltraVista. AltraVista is a wealth and life planning company for entrepreneurs. In this episode, you will hear Ali talk about how he started his company as well as how he's built it over the past 13 years. And finally, you will hear about the book Ali recently launched called The Business Owner's Dilemma, which is on Amazon's bestseller list. Ali, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. It's great to see you. My pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, well, excited. There's a lot for us to talk about. I want to start with the fact that you're an entrepreneur and business owner. Tell us a little bit about your company and maybe your inspiration for starting it. Sure. So my company is AltruVista, and we've been in Houston now for coming on 13 years. And I got started almost by accident in the financial services business almost 20, 20 years ago, 18 years ago. And what inspired me to start my own business is I saw a big gap in the marketplace for entrepreneurs. I saw a big gap in the marketplace for planning. Most financial service providers were product shops. They were either investment-based or insurance-based, and there wasn't a lot of strategic guidance. And as I worked with clients, as I worked with business owners, I noticed the biggest thing that they needed was guidance, planning, strategy, advice versus the actual end product or solution. And there was a missing piece in the marketplace where everyone was so focused on investments or insurance, there wasn't really a focus on building that strategic plan. And there was no integration between their advisor team. They'd see their tax advisor, their legal advisor, their financial advisor, everyone in silo. So AltruVista was formed to essentially provide a couple of different functions. One was planning first. So you can build a a strategy before you start executing. Sure, makes sense. And second, integrating your advisor team. How often do business owners have four or five different advisors that don't talk? And when their net worths get up to 20 million, 50 million, 100 million, it's kind of like having a C-suite at your, at your organization and your C-suites never met each other. Right. And from a personal planning standpoint, I noticed that with a lot of business owners. So the process that we built and the firm that we built was really focused on integration, almost like a family office or a family CFO company okay. for business owners. So seeing those two major gaps in the marketplace and then, of course, the entrepreneurial spirit just, just yeah. itching to, to build something different. That was the, the birth of AltruVista. That's great. So it's so funny. You're not surprised by this, but so many entrepreneurs that have come on the podcast started because they saw a gap in whatever industry they're in or whatever. They see a gap, they find, they figure out a solution, and then they, they go after it. And it's right. it's so fun. Those stories, the commonality to them, but how they occur in so many different industries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how they get started. So how big is AltruVista at this point, and how have you built it? So the size, I think we're at... No, uh, 12, I think, today. We okay. just hired someone last week, but about, about a dozen team members. Okay. And the second question was? We just have you gone uh, about building the business from a team standpoint as well as client base? Sure. So 
I feel that you know, your best clients kind of always breed your best clients. And where our focus on business owners has always been kind of a core niche. And it's been constantly through word of mouth, through I'd say 95% of our clients come through an introduction from an existing client or an attorney or CPA or investment banker or something of that nature that is like, hey, you really need to, you've kind of, you've kind of outgrown the existing model you're in and you might want to look at a more advanced planning service. Okay. And that tends to be the growth engine from many years ago up until now. We've tried different marketing things. We've tried using social media and, and, and website-based items. But really, I think that at the end of the day, it's such a trust relationship-based yeah. business that the vast majority of everything we do is built on trust. And okay. I think that's the pillar to our businesses. Is built that's what I was going to say as you were talking. I could see where the other maybe social media and things don't work as much because yours, like many, is so uh, grounded in trust. Right. Uh, when they're talking about, you know, at your stage, you're talking about someone that hasn't had a liquidity event, right? Uh, that yeah, they're, they, some have, some have. It, it just depends on. But most are still running the business oh, yeah. and looking for some trusted advisor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the social aspect or the marketing aspect is usually just validation. So I might get someone that says, oh, I read a, I read an article that you wrote. Or I heard you on, a, on an interview and Chris spoke highly of you. And that's why we're connecting. So it's kind of like the marketing adds to the personal relationship or gives a gateway. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's built on trust. I so I think it's interesting, though, in, in doing what you do, right? you come at it, I think, you clearly wear two hats because you're an entrepreneur yourself. So I think you can speak that language. Not all people in financial services own or have owned or run or really running a business. How has that been able, allowed you to distinguish yourself amongst maybe your competitors to help these business owners see the value you bring to the table? Right. I appreciate the question. It That's been the biggest differentiator is that we are purpose-built for entrepreneurs. So if there's nothing else that different about our firm than, than the next firm, that one thing alone is such a huge impact. Because when you're a business owner, your life surrounds around your company. Yeah. Your wealth, you know, I, I say that for most business owners, 90% of their wealth is in their company and right. 200% of their emotion is <laughs> yeah, in their company, right? right? <laughs> and, and when you have a lifestyle or a life that's so business-centric, you know, you're, you might have children that are involved in the business. Your net worth is tied up in the business. Your dreams, thoughts, aspirations. When you have a firm that understands that, I think it creates a very different experience. Every single one of our employees, when they had their first job description, when they applied for the company or, or recruitment, whatever it was, the very first line on our um, job description is, do you have an appreciation for entrepreneurs? Okay. So you're not even going to get in the door or start if there's not some love, some appreciation for working with entrepreneurs. Sure. And the process we have is purpose-built for entrepreneurs. The way that we integrate is for entrepreneurs. The planning strategies and ideas are specific to, hey, with entrepreneurs, you have new levers. It's not just the traditional, oh, well, we can provide you with investment advice. It's tax strategy. There's estate planning. There's integration with your advisor team. There's ideas to... Uh, leverage and, and continue to grow off of your business opportunities. So I think all of that manifests with entrepreneurs being our target client. So clearly it's a very hands-on approach, uh, very customer focused, right? In service with your team. And, and so how do you go about in your interview process and bringing these team members on mm -hmm. 
you know, what are you looking for? What are you describing as the culture for Alta Vista? And what are you trying to portray as that culture to the outside world? Sure. So the, the first thing is, of course, what, are, do you have an appreciation for entrepreneurs? The second thing is, are you passionate about creating planning and strategy? And most of our professionals are coming out like they want to do this. They went to school for this. They're passionate about really doing comprehensive wealth planning, family CFO work. We have four core values okay. that we drive our hiring decisions by, our firing decisions by, and kind of our business operation. The first is create a personalized experience. Wealth is highly personal. And every business owner, it's not, oh, this is the number, or here's how much they have. It's they built this from they built this from scratch, or here's their story, here's their journey. And every one of them, there's a personal aspect to it. Money is very personal, wealth is very personal. So our first core value is create a personalized experience. The second is drive growth and innovation. So constantly looking for ways to do things better, more effectively, kind of challenge the status quo. And how can we create a better solution, both internally and externally? The third uh, core value is do great things together. We do not have a monopoly on great ideas. So working with, you know, you at Boyer Miller, working with a CPA, working with the client's internal CFO, working with our internal team or resources, we can do great things together. And if you're kind of the solo Lone Ranger, this, yeah, I know everything, and I'm, that's not the right fit. Right. So the third core value, do great things together. And the fourth is show gratitude. We believe in humility. We believe in giving, whether you're giving your time, whether you're just showing appreciation for the opportunity, be a grateful person. And I think we all live a better life when we can show gratitude. And we certainly, we enforce that in a positive way to show gratitude is one of our core values. So That's great. I mean, obviously, as you know, we share a kind of like-minded view of it having a clarity about your values and your value system is so important to yeah. building a sustained company and the culture for your people. Right. Um, it gives them a foundation, right? That's there when, when you're ever in doubt and you're not sure or things feel uncertain or, you know, a pandemic hits and you're thrown off your core, you just go back to your fundamentals. That's right. I think Michael Jordan said it. Anytime your game goes off course, you go back to your fundamentals. When well, business, those fundamentals are your core values. Exactly. And uh, you just stick to them and usually things, good things happen. And it, like I said, it helps in decision making, right? When things can look cloudy and unclear, you go back there, all of a sudden the clouds part a little bit and you, the decision becomes a little easier to make. That's wise. So you, you have the values, you've built this team, you know, thinking as an entrepreneur, and we have listeners out there that are business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs, what, what are some of the, the things that you believe were fundamental for you starting this business 13 years ago and building it to where it is today? Number one is the client experience. Knowing what your customers most their, their biggest challenges, their biggest where they need guidance, where they don't know that they need guidance. All aspects of the client experience, that's where to start. I okay. feel any business, if you told me, Ali, I'm going to put, make you the CEO of any company in the world, the first thing I would do would be to talk to the best customers and hear what's on their mind. What's working, what's not, what could we do differently? Yeah. And talk to your best team members and say, you know, what's working in the organization, what's not, what could we do differently? And I think if you have a pulse on what your customers' needs are and you're constantly looking to enhance the experience, it doesn't matter what your competitors are doing. Because if you're constantly fulfilling the current needs of your customers and then the next, the up forthcoming needs of your customers, you're always going to be ahead of the game. 
Right. And it doesn't matter what's going on as much in the marketplace. So for to your question of business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs, what to focus on, it's the client experience. And I think that you're just that'll your clients are your best source of feedback. Your clients are your best source of growth. Your clients are your best source of guidance. So great advice. And so true. Right. I mean, so let's I'm going to ask you a question that uh, some, some people or no one likes to talk about failures, but. Along the way, as a leader or as a business owner, think of a failure that has come your way. Tell us about that. Tell us what you learned from it and how it made you or the company better as a result. Oh, wow. Way to put me on. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's everyone's favorite question. You know, it's and it's you just, and you just sprung it on me. I, I like it, though. Oh, I'm trying to think of the big picture failures. There's been a few. I'd say the, one of the failures that recently came up. I'll think of one that's kind of fresh. Sure. Last year, I had uh, a speech for a business owners group. And I had given this speech as a as a sales presentation for our webinars. We had like, you know, every month or so we would have kind of a learn about our process and kind of the 10 biggest mistakes business owners make with their wealth. Okay. And we kept doing these regular monthly recordings. And I kind of got in the habit of delivering this. And then I did this speech but it was similar content as an expert speaker, kind of a, a private CEO's group to talk to them about this is the journey and here are the questions and here are the things to, to answer. But my I was hardwired still, kind of had a rough one, <laughs> hardwired to kind of deliver it the same way we did in our company presentations. And this was being done as a expert speaker or as kind of like a third party. And for the first time, and I've been speaking for 17 years, the first time I'd ever had feedback from the group saying, you know, that was, there was a lot of sales in there. I felt Uh, like you were promoting your services and you were promoting your business. And it was, I've never had that feedback before. Right. And it was tough. It was probably the the biggest, I think one of the biggest failures, if not the biggest failure of of 2021. And I felt horrible about the experience because I've just never delivered a content speech where I felt like that was the feedback or received that feedback. So I went back and I told the team, I said, hey, guys, I was off. Like I was off my game that day. I obviously delivered this talk not in the most optimal way. And I completely used it as an opportunity to revamp the talk, revamp the the presentation, revamp the slide deck. We took out anything that could possibly be self-promoting and just focused on give, which is our, again, you know, our core values. Right. You know, giving and showing gratitude. And then we had that same talk again recently this past few months you've had a couple. okay and the feedback's been best presentation we've ever heard you know one of the best talks we've ever heard huge huge positive huge positive energy coming from it and i think when i look at it i say 2021 and this is a smaller failure but i'm sure it's still a failure i feel like that was one of the biggest screw-ups could have had but it turned into i think a huge enhancement now and the value that's been created for groups since then has just been their, their feedback's been off the charts, that's which great. I think was a function of getting the negative feedback. No, I, look, I think that's a great example because yeah, what I hear when I listen to t- you tell that story is humility around taking the feedback and taking it to heart because you could have easily dismissed it. There's one day I was off. These people don't really know what they know, right? Whatever. There's all kinds of excuses to make and not change. Instead, you went, 
the, the hard way. You listened to it, took it to heart, and said, where can I get better and challenge yourself and your team? So I think it's great. I mean, so there's, there's certainly lessons there for everyone. And uh, if you want lessons on mistakes, you know, so, I've got lots of them. Well, uh, we all do, right? So let's, we'll transition. We, you talked a little bit about the company and how you, some of the things you've done to build it. Let's talk now about what AltaVista actually does and, and the type of services and value you bring to your clients and why a business owner would even want to talk to you and or seek your services. Sure. So business owners are facing one of three dilemmas along their entrepreneurial journey. And these dilemmas specifically hit the intersection of wealth and life planning. And the first dilemma is the reinvestment dilemma. I've been successful in my company. I've made great profits. I'm doing well. Where do I reinvest my capital? Do I put it back in the business? Do I buy real estate? Do I invest in the market and bonds and private equity deals and crypto and cash, <laughs> right? What's my best reinvestment strategy? That's the first dilemma. The second dilemma is the legacy dilemma. What is it all for? You might have built, we- built wealth way above what you'll ever need or what you'll ever spend yourself. So is this for me? Is this for my children? Is this for charity? Is this for my ego? Is this for fun? Like, why am I building all of this? And will my wealth be a source of empowerment empowerment for my children? Or will it be entitlement for my children, right? What is this all for? That's the second dilemma, the legacy dilemma. And then the third dilemma is the exit dilemma. Do I sell the company? Do I scale it and grow it further? Do I pass it on to my son or daughter? Do I sell it to my executive team? If I sell my company, will this give me freedom of purpose? Or will this be that I just sold my purpose? That's the exit dilemma. Well, that's a big one too. That, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that identity is so tied up in, oh, yeah. in the company. That, you know, we, we talk about it in terms of you know, it's and maybe you do as well for these entrepreneurs that have started and grown these companies. It it it's a family member. It's a child, right? Mm-hmm. It's like having a baby there. So it's tough to let go of. The analogy I heard one time for an entrepreneur looking to sell their business was, and especially they're always usually staying on for some period of time. You know, post-transition, post-acquisition is imagine ado- allowing your someone to adopt your child and then you're going to stay in the house to watch the adoptive parents raise it, but you don't have a voice. Yeah. <laughs> pretty good one, right? That's a uh, great one. So, I, yeah, I've heard some analogies there that are pretty rough. Uh, it's, it's an identity. Okay. So you identify these three dilemmas. So, you know, kind of go you know, tell us a little more about how you work with your clients to try to address those. Sure. So... I find that 90% of the mental real estate for business owners, entrepreneurs, when it comes to their personal wealth, it surrounds one of these three dilemmas. So it's the reason it's so challenging to bring these together is it's both a wealth decision and a life decision. Each one of these have an impact. Yeah. It's not just data. It's life and lifestyle. And so what we found over the years is that business owners need a clear path and a process to bring all the pieces together. So at Ultra Vista, we call it wealth with purpose. And yeah. essentially, it's a planning process that we've used and implemented for hundreds of business owners for over a decade, which is first getting really clear about what it is you want to accomplish, having a total build out of your, your balance sheet, your total financial position, identifying all the creative strategic opportunities that exist for you that make sense based on your goals. So if you're ever wondering, like, God, I wish I could have a team of experts look at my whole picture and figure out what levers make sense and what planning opportunities from tax savings to estate strategies to investments, what makes sense for me, pulling all that together. And then getting my team, whether you have a team, if you have tax, legal, French, or you're building a team, 
and having a way for them to effectively collaborate, have a strategic meeting together where they can actually figure out what makes sense for me. And then pulling those recommendations together and then executing it for me, helping to handhold me through the process of execution. Because I know most business owners, they don't like to do the administrative side of things. They want to be able to figure out, you know, the what, the why, maybe a little input on the how, but let's have someone else execute the aspects of it and kind of work with me like they're my family CFO. So our planning process, well for the purpose, essentially is like a turnkey process for business owners um, that have outgrown the traditional approaches of, of wealth management and are looking for more of a family office type of experience, a more strategic type of experience, and really value capturing their success and maximizing their success. You know, family is important to them. Planning is important to them. Relationships are important to them. And they want to find a way to maximize the value of their life's work. And, you know, that's the process we take them through. And we've been effectively doing it for many years. Yeah. And um, it's made a huge impact in the lives and the peace. I'd say... The biggest thing someone gets from it is clarity on their goals, what they want, alignment between their plans and their advisor team, and then peace of mind. Yeah. So that clarity, alignment, and peace of mind is essentially what we sell is clarity, you know, clarity, alignment, and peace of mind. Love it. That's great stuff. So obviously built the business, serving clients. Uh, a couple of years ago, you had the vision to put it all in a book. <laughs> and congratulations. I know last week or a couple weeks ago, February 22nd, you launched your first book, The Business Owner's Dilemma. Tell us a little bit about the book and, and we'll go from there. Sure. Well, yeah, it was a fun experience. I'd love for it to say it was only two years, but it took me about five to get it done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little delay. So I heard there was a pandemic in there too. So you get an excuse. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that, Chris. So about seven to 10 years ago, I had a few engagements that completely changed the, the impact of my work, the trajectory of my work. And it, it was my why for writing the book. And what happened was, is there's a few business owners that had sold their companies for substantial sums of money, 20 million to 100 million to even $500 million. And while they had complete financial independence from these multi-hundred million dollar exits, you'd think, you know, they've hit the summit. They have the wealth. They've had their exit. You know, life, right. life is great. Like you've done it. And I saw how much they were struggling. How much they were struggling with their identity, with continuing growth post business, because they're growers and you can't suddenly just turn off growth. That's you right. Your company. Yeah, it didn't turn off. Yeah. And then how they were struggling with the dilemmas, addressing how to plan their life's work, how to not entitle their children, how to figure out what their roadmap was for the life, for their next chapter, their second after, after business. And it made me hyper aware that wealth is a means, not an end. Yeah, well, it's true. So true. And if you don't figure out your end, there's not, there's no amount of wealth that's ever going to fill your cup. So seeing this situation, it made me just incredibly aware of how important, you know, having the right approach or paradigm was towards this. And the analogy that comes to mind, Chris, is mountain climbing one. And if I ask you, what's the goal of climbing a mountain? What's your answer? We could get to the top. Right. Might add safely and back down. Sure. Right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's good. So the, the first part is what most will say, right? To get to the top. In reality, the true goal is the second part of what you said, which is to get back down safely so you can celebrate the success. The reality is, as obvious as that may sound, 80% of the accidents that happen in mountain climbing, they don't happen on the way up. They happen on the way down. And it's because we're so focused on reaching our goal, which is to get to the top, right? If you climb right. Everest, did you summit, right? Climb right. Did you summit? 
we're so focused on getting to our goal, we don't think about what happens after we hit the goal. And 80% of the accidents are happening there. It's a great analogy. I notice it's the same thing with business owners. They start their company, they've got a ton of energy and passion towards growth, but they are not thinking about what happens after they hit the levels of success they once dreamed of, whether it's cash flow and income, or it's like these business owners that actually had an exit. And once they reach the levels of this, they're not enjoying the success that they've earned. In fact, the inside cover line on the book is too many entrepreneurs aren't enjoying the success they've earned. And Isn't that sad? It is. Yeah. And they've worked 20, 30, 40 years, blood, sweat, and tears yeah. into their company, and they're not able to enjoy the fruits and the benefit of it. So I saw these business owners that were really having a life crisis, and it wasn't a couple of them out of 10. It was like nine out of 10, eight out of 10 that were dealing with these huge issues. So I realized this was a bigger problem. And over the years, I had created a system and an approach, and it's outlined in the book as the the, the wealth integration system for entrepreneurs. Nickname is Wise. Wise. Yeah. Right. So wise is a way to bring all the pieces together for an owner. All aspects of their life's work through one system, one lens. And that that system, I saw the impact it made on these business owners who were helping, both on the life side and the wealth side, kind of bridging the two. And I said, I've got to democratize this framework. This is not just for a boutique. Yeah, we've done this for 100 families in a boutique in Houston, but really... Every business owner, every entrepreneur could benefit from the experiences that I've learned from a thousand entrepreneurs. Sure. And at that point, I said, what's the best way for me to expand this message? And naturally, write a book. The book. What's interesting about that, right, is there's no boundaries, I mean, literally, geographically to what you're talking about and the advice you give. Because entrepreneurs exist in every country and face the same issues. All right. And I, I would expect you may be seeing, or hopefully through the book, we'll see an expansion of that. Yeah. I mean, it's already, I've had contact with YPO in Dubai that has an interest in the learning program for their members. And this is other side of the planet. That's amazing. But the mindset of the entrepreneur, I mean, the book was not written for like a U.S. person per se. It's really globally applicable. And the entrepreneurial journey is something that is so underplanned for because You've got less than 1% of entrepreneurs that ever hit these big levels of success. It's a very small percentage. You know, right. I think it's 80% of an entrepreneurs will never make over $100,000 a year. It's well, The business right. owners we usually deal with, they're in the top group of business owners. That's right. And when you hit these big levels of success, not having a roadmap, we have a financial education problem in, in the U.S. in general. Sure. But when it comes to entrepreneurial, that niche of entrepreneurs, is an even, there's an even bigger challenge. And so many of them don't have a path. And it leads them to then take control themselves. And most entrepreneurs are really good at building their business, but they're not necessarily, they don't have the time, the inclination, the desire to often figure out how to plan for their life's work or their life's wealth. And it's a real gap in the marketplace. So that was, I think, the big hit with the business owner's dilemma. And the early feedback from those that read it a year ago was this is a real paradigm shift. Like I can see my total position with a different level of clarity and having a framework to think about all of these aspects is hugely impactful to my decision making. That's great. So what was the biggest challenge in the book writing process for you personally? I think it's cutting it down. Okay. I When I started writing the book, I mean, editing's no fun. And I, this was not one of these books I delegated. Like I wrote every line in the book. But I had about, I want to say, five or 600 pages of content. And it was saying, how do I communicate this content in the least amount of pages possible, right? The, short, the shortest sure. amount of steps to the best possible outcome. 
and then write this for the entrepreneurial mind. This isn't written as a textbook for the technician. It's written to the business owner in a voice and in a style that appeals to them. So it went from 500 pages or so down to about 150. And then when you add in graphics, it's maybe, I think, 170 or so. Well, that's some major cutting. But major cutting. And that was the hardest part is what is not essential for this message? Because yeah. there's a lot of other things. You know, you, Such a great process. Though, so, I mean, editing in so many ways, right? What really matters? Exactly. And um, now the table of contents, if I could have anything given to me five years ago that I have today on this book, yeah. just be the table of contents. So I can <laughs> know, all right, what are the boundaries? Because it's so easy, especially as a professional advisor that cares about your client, it's so easy to come up with 50 things to tell them. But it's like, really, what are the 10 or 12 things that really matter? And then that turned into the chapters in the book. And I think now it's the point we've had enough feedback. Of course, the book, book's officially published now. But right. the... the I think the message in there is clear and succinct, and it really makes a meaningful impact uh, for a business owner that's reading it. That's great. So what else do you want to tell us about the book? Where can we find it? Sure. So the book is on Amazon. It's paperback, Shocker. Kindle, both. Yeah. Yep, it's there, <laughs> The Business Owner's Dilemma, and Ali Nasser is the author. And I will be doing an audio book at some point. I don't know if it'll be six months from now, 12 months from now, but for now, it's just in Kindle and, and paper. Okay. And yeah, any information you're looking for on the book is at alinasser.com, A-L-I-N-A-S-E-R.com. Okay. And uh, I think this book is written for every business owner that has poured their heart and soul into building their company and wants a roadmap to plan their success and figure out their dilemmas and find their best path forward. It is written for you. So, And if you're a spouse to a business owner or a child to a business owner or you're trying to learn or you're an advisor to a business owner... Uh, I think this will really provide you with a new lens. That's great. Yeah, I, you, know, you talk about these entrepreneurs and business owners are so focused that they know their business, right? And they they got there by planning and executing and doing all and, and readjusting the plan and all those things, but they don't take time most, right? The reason you have a job and, and there was a need for your book is they don't take time to think about what after this and, and not having that plan. So it makes total sense why you're able to sell the, the planning process and the strategy behind it. It's just it's something that they have a blind spot to. Right, right. It's not there. I think that's one of the things that you bring up a great point is that business owners by design, they're always looking for the next way to grow. And some owners reach a point where planning their existing success will yield more value to them than just growing their existing success. Because if you don't plan it, you're going to lose some of this, whether it's taxation or whether this you're missing out on a strategic opportunity or you're so focused on the day-to-day, you're not thinking about the big picture. But sometimes planning your success is worth a lot more than just building further. And for many owners that hit a big level of success, they don't realize that. And I think if they do, they can really capture and realize that life's work as opposed to just building. Yeah. And it's always a conversation. You never stop building, right? That's right. It's just building in a different way. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So let's let's change the subject a little bit and sure. go back to a little bit about you. Tell me your first job. Oh, first real well, first real job was at Starbucks. Okay. Uh, that was my high school barista. I was a barista at Starbucks. I did. I started working at Ford at a accounting firm and a travel. Well, first was a travel agency, and I wanted to pay for my vacation when I was fourteen years old. I'd go see my family in in Toronto. Okay. So spend time with my cousin. So I really wanted to buy my own plane ticket. And I got, my mom helped me get a job at a travel agency. 
So that was my first, first job. Yeah. But like actually real, like I'm applying for a job and I have like a manager and it clock in, clock out like a regular, it was at Starbucks okay. in high school. Do you still make a good latte? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can still make a good latte. I still remember the, the formula for, for most of the drinks. Okay. Don't say it on here. I don't want to get in trouble. No, no, no. But no, yeah. like <laughs> no disclosures of but, trade secrets uh, or any, any of Starbucks. <laughs> I don't need Starbucks coming after me. It was cool. And it, they kind of, I still remember their core values and their, their philosophy learning at, at Starbucks because they taught me about your job is to make this uh, location feel like the customer's home away from home. And this, they go to their office, they go home, and then in between they stop here. And this is like their third home. And that one thing, kind of like their core value, yeah. it stuck with me. And I think that was, you, you learn customer experience really well when you hear about people's, I want my three and a half sweet and low, you know, right. skinny latte. You, you realize three and a half sweet and low, okay. They it's, thought about that. <laughs> you know, people want what they want. That was kind of my first experience. That's, that's good. Well, I know you weren't born in Texas, London, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Good but, but you got here pretty quick. How long have you been in Texas? 20, hold on, or 2022, so it would be 28 years. Okay. Moved here in 1994. So that's long enough to have an opinion. Do you like Tex-Mex or barbecue? You know, there's this place called Candente. Uh-huh. I know they that. Have, they have, they get the, the brisket from Pit Room mm-hmm. and they do Tex-Mex. So on that question. So you're going with both. I'm going with the hybrid because it's honestly like one of my favorite meals in Houston is their brisket enchiladas. Uh, yeah. And they're phenomenal. I've been there. Their food is really good. Yeah. And I like just going to the Pit Room as well. So, you yeah. know, you can actually, I didn't think about that. You can answer that question with the Pit Room and Caldente very See, well. They yeah. try to find integration. Very well. And everything you do. I love it. <laughs> There's a win-win. Okay. So... You're a busy guy. You just wrote a book. If you could take, say, a month sabbatical, where would you go? What would you do? I think I'd go to Sardinia. And it's one of the blue zones, which is one of the areas in the world where you've got the largest population of 100 plus. And I'd want to really spend time in just reflection, connection, nature, and spend some time with some of the, the 100 plus community on their life experience and their philosophies and what they've done for their health and how they've kept their mind. Cause a lot of it's your mindset, right? Stress is the number one killer. Absolutely. Part of that is your mindset. So on an off the cuff question like that, I think Sardinia and maybe spend some time with, with the wisdom of those that have gone through the whole life journey and still have an opportunity to share. Wow. That's great. That, that, that would be very interesting and enlightening. So Ali, thank you for taking time to come visit. Congratulations on the book. So proud of you. Happy to support you. And, and I know it's already been a, an immediate success. And I know it'll continue to be so. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. And, and thanks for all the tough questions. They're really, <laughs> they're really good. My pleasure. We'll see you soon. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.